0: Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore, and welcome to another edition of North Shore News Week, um, the weekly podcast that catches you up on all the week that was in North Shore News. Uh, we cover the New Trier Township, and we are Martin Carlino and Joe Coughlin, two of the co founders of the record, North your friendly neighborhood nonprofit news website. Um, As just mentioned, we are nonprofit, so all these stories are done, um, are completed thanks to you and your funding of our efforts so far. Thank you for everything we're about to mention here and more. Go to the recordnorthshore.org to check out the full stories. But for now, we're going to give you a brief recap of the week that was with uh, three segments. First, our lead story. Second, we're going to go up and down the shore and try to touch on every community we cover from Glencoe to Wilmette. And third, our featured feature, and we have a special one for you this week, so please hang on. And first, we're going to start with our lead story. And you're not talking community news in a calendar year without talking about leaf blowers. And we have the latest for you here on the North Shore. This is an ongoing issue uh, with communities of across probably the nation, but definitely across Illinois, uh, north-southwest suburbs, whatever, have issues with gas-powered leaf blowers, not just noise pollution but the environmental impacts um, as well as what some feel is an unnecessary um, you know, yard tool. So, why it's in the news this week and why we covered it, Megan Bernard, our managing editor was on this story, is some local advocacy groups, specifically Go Green in Wilmette and Winneka, hosted a summit. That's right, a leaf blower summit um, virtually on April 9th for uh, suburban Chicago communities to collaborate, to establish um, some language, some enforcement um, policies or ideas around ordinance. Because um, specifically here in the North Shore and many communities do have ordinance banning gas-powered leaf blowers. Wilmette has one, Winneke has one. These are seasonal ordinances. Glencoe has one. um, And uh, the only town that doesn't in Nutria Township directly is Northfield. Um, but enforcement is an issue and you're seeing a lot of lawn companies or maintenance companies, landscaping companies who use them as they work on people's lawns. Um, those seem to be the major um, offenders of this ban. So they gathered, they talked about it, they talked about what they can do. Um, it's a pretty comprehensive story by Megan about what's going on right now um why leaf blowers are potentially dangerous, um, what the other side is saying about why they feel they can should be able to use them. Um the hour-long event uh, the Leaf Blower Summit featured uh, village policymakers, police chiefs, um Go Green Will Met, other sustainability groups, um, as well as uh, Illinois Senator Laura Fine, who covers the area um as a as a state center. So um pretty good stuff here. Um, basically they're looking for ways to enforce this policy, In Wilmette um, sent to Plunkett, who's uh, the uh, village president-elect, actually said that they're looking into hiring a um, a code enforcement officer specifically for this issue, as they're getting many complaints about it. Um, citations would range 75 bucks up to $750 with a court appearance. So these are hefty fines. They're really trying to do it. Um, the village of Northfield is the one outlier. They are pretty pretty staunchly against the idea of a ban on leaf blowers they just don't feel it's necessary in their town so that is um, the latest and it's a very um, topical because of the summit as well as the season Um, springtime as you know um, a lot of landscaping are are pretty hard at work clearing these yards
1: um, of a lot of maintenance work so leaf blowers back in the news Community News Pinnacle, as Joe said right there. Uh, Megan details everything Joe just went over and much more in her story. So um, take a look. It's our our lead story on our website here um, as we're recording this. So uh, head on over to our website and check out all the details included in that story. Uh, As Joe mentioned, some real interesting information from incoming Wilmette Village President, Santa Plunkett, uh, on how Wilmette is planning to address the issue moving forward. So uh, interesting local community news right here folks absolutely
0: take a read so um, we're gonna move on to our second segment that was lead store. We're moving on to up and down the shore um, where we try to touch on every community we cover. We're gonna start in Glencoe
1: where uh, sounds like a pretty exciting news, but they're keeping it uh, keeping it pretty close to the best here. Concert season might be back on here guys. And we got the first bit of news related to that at the last Glencoe village board meeting when officials said that a big name talent and follow-up questions by the record um, regarding more information about this potential talent were um, not returned or, or not, uh, not more, more information was not provided to those questions. So we don't know anything other than uh, what was described as a big name talent, but that talent um, is could be having a concert in downtown Glencoe uh, the weekend of Labor Day weekend so the Saturday of that weekend Saturday September 4th um, and according to village officials in Glencoe that concert could bring as many as 2,500 people to downtown Glencoe um, so right now the plan is to hold that concert in the Temple Court parking lot which right outside the, uh, the downtown area there in Glencoe um, and Very, very preliminary information right now, obviously, as we're still about five or five or so months away from this happening. But um, we've got some details up on some preliminary details, I should say, up on the story on our website. Um, But officials are planning with the expectation that if this concert were to move forward, the state of Illinois would be in the governor's bridge phase. Uh, which he recently announced last month is as a new part of the state of Illinois reopening plan. And that bridge phase would allow uh, outdoor gatherings of that size of the 2000 to 2500 size, which is the size that officials are planning for for this concert. Um, We don't know uh, exactly which uh, local family foundation is planning to put it on, but we are able to confirm that it is a, a family foundation who is planning to put this concert on. And as I mentioned, with a big name talent, so uh, we expect more information will start coming about, coming out about this uh, in the very near future, and we'll stay on it. But some very exciting news about what could be the largest uh, gathering. Uh, certainly in Glencoe, but in our coverage area since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic in March of 2020. So uh, possibly some some light at the end of the tunnel here as our vaccine numbers continue to go up and hopefully the spread of COVID-19 continues to decrease. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Marty, I'm going to put you on the spot. We're going to hold you to this guess. Who do you think it is? I'm thinking I might go with Lewis the Child here, Joe, as my okay. guess. Uh, I think it's, uh, that's an act that has some, some ties to the area, obviously, and has been known to, uh, to want to give back to the community. So I think that's going to be my guest. Do you have an official guest here, Joe, an unofficial official guest?
0: Louie, the child is a very good guess. Um, off the top of my head, let's just go with, uh, I think they're going to bring nickel back to town. So that's, my, <laughs> that's <my official. laughs>
1: um,
0: So that's Glencoe. actually, Marty, you might have one more you want to touch on. Let's touch on one more Glencoe story because it's a good story this week.
1: Yeah, we've got a two for one in Glencoe, as you mentioned this week, Joe, and um, a Glencoe applicant is seeking a zoning change to demolish the property at 538 Green Bay Road and construct a six unit multifamily building. So um, the way it works in Glencoe under Glencoe's village code is that uh, the first step in the process for a zoning change of this caliber is that Glencoe's village board must first hear preliminary details about the proposal, then they must send it to Glencoe Zoning Commission. So we are right now in the first step of this process, and Glencoe's Village Board heard the case, preliminary information on the proposal at its last meeting, and has now referred it to the Zoning Commission for a public hearing. Um, As of recording, we don't know when the public hearing is going to be, but the Zoning Commission will now hear this proposal um, via a public hearing. So just a little bit on the proposal itself is that the applicant and that's the uh, person who owns the property at 538 green Bay road is proposed. And just a little bit on that property itself is it's three land parcels that are, uh, combined into one zoning lot. So the, the applicant and the owner of that property is proposing to demolish the current single family home that sits on that lot and construct a six unit, um, multi-residential family building. So um, that would consist of, according to the proposal so far, a three-story building with two of those stories, each um, containing three units and one being used for parking. So uh, very early on in the process, but a little bit of of a smaller scale yet still pretty notable development could be coming to Green Bay Road on Glencoe, but still several steps. As I mentioned, the zoning commission will need to hear it. Then it will need to have an appearance review um, by the plan commission. And then the village board will have to weigh in on a final determination as well. But a uh, little bit of, uh, of exciting news here, big news week for, for Glencoe here.
0: Yeah. Anytime you bring a, um, a possible um, residential building to uh, Glencoe, it's a big deal. Um, skipping down over um, one town down the lakefront, taking a stroll along the shoreline to Winneka, this- um, we got some beach plans, um, just an update, but a pretty substantial one on the land swap agreement that may combine to, uh, well, that will combine two big Winnetka beaches.
1: Yeah, so this dates back probably about six or so months ago now, but uh, just to uh, wrap this up and provide a bit of a, a summary as quickly as possible for our listeners here. In October of 2020, the Winnetka Park District agreed to a uh, land swap agreement that saw them acquire a portion of um, of a beach and exchange a, another land parcel. So uh, ultimately what that land, sw- what that land swap um, does it is is it will allow the Winneka Park District to connect Elder Lane and Centennial beaches. And uh, doing so will allow them to provide about a thousand continuous square feet of beach space, which is very significant, obviously. And it's something that has been a a gold of the Waneka park district for a very long time to connect those two beaches. So uh, we had a reporter touch base and follow up with the park district about how plans are going and what they're hoping to do now that that land swap agreement is uh, nearly finalized and has been uh, in the works and has uh, really taken shape since it was first preliminary agreed to uh, back in 2020. So, Right now, according to the park district plans for the two beaches are currently in the design phase and they're hoping to be finalized within the next couple of months. But, uh, the park district will, once those plans are finalized, will apply for a permit from the Illinois department of natural natural resources to modify its lakefront land. Uh, and then once that permit once that is filed, that permit process could take anywhere from six months to two years. So, uh, could be the the extent of, of what we'll be waiting for further information will depend on how long that permit process takes place. And the, the main goal is with related to some of the work that the park district is hoping to do is shoreline protection measures um, similar to, to what they've been doing at Lloyd beach, another uh, beach in Winneka as well. So uh, the, the bluffs at elder lane beach uh, have already started and will continue to erode if action uh, is not taken in a, a very, very timely matter because of fluctuating water levels and, and recent storm events and uh, and those types of things that are accelerating the erosion process. So it is uh, very crucial that the Winneka Park District is, uh, is taking this action as quickly as possible because time is of the essence with these matter. So uh, we have all the details up on our site in that story and I uh, urge you to check it out if you're looking for a little more information. But we've got the, uh, the preliminary plans that the park district is hoping to move forward with now that that land swap agreement is, uh, is coming along further here.
0: Yeah, and that site's the record northshore.org. So check out uh, details on that. It's a pretty um, complex story, but uh, we got all the all the goods for you there. Um, gonna go west a little bit off from the lake and talk about um, Northfield, specifically the new Trier campus in Northfield and their constant Um, vaccine clinics. I should say regular vaccine clinics. Um, They held another one this week, um, but this time demand wasn't so high, Mark.
1: Yeah. So this is the first one that uh, the first vaccine clinic that's been held at Nutria's Northfield campus, to our knowledge, that has not um, filled up all the appointment availables. And uh, we were able to catch up with Wilmette Village manager Mike, Mike Brayman to get some information about that. And according to him, there were approximately 900 appointments for this clinic available. Um, and as of us recording this, there were still appointments available and that clinic was taking place today, Wednesday, April 28th. Um, that was about the same number of appointments that were available at a clinic that took place last week at the Northfield campus. And that clinic did fill up according to uh, officials. And then two weeks ago, which was the first clinic for, um, anyone age 16 and over. And, uh, it was, it did not require residency in the township. It could be from residency anywhere in the state that clinic filled up in about 30 minutes. So, um, you know, as we, we start to see more vaccination opportunities become available, we're starting to see, um, you know, less and less of these appointments being filled and and these slots taken up. So, um, another interesting stat that, that, Village Manager Brayman pointed out to us is, uh, according to him, so far approximately 70% of Wilmette residents have received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. So that is a very high number and a number that exceeds the the Cook County average. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Cook County average is somewhere uh, a little over 50% of Cook County residents have received at least one dose Um, with close to 30% of Cook County residents being fully vaccinated already. So um, vaccination opportunities are becoming more and more available, but now we are beginning to reach the phase where uh, officials and local health departments and state health departments are hoping to encourage um, individuals who maybe have some hesitancy about um, getting the vaccine uh, and Hopefully they, they are hoping to, to get them in to, to book these appointments and get as many shots into arms as possible. So something we'll continue to follow and uh, we're hoping to follow up with uh, officials in our other uh, coverage towns to, to see what the vaccine rates and, and numbers are like in those towns as well. But uh, more and more opportunities and, and hopefully more and more people getting, getting these shots in their arms.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Martin. And as you said, there will be a follow up to that story with uh, some of those numbers on
1: um,
0: local vaccine efforts uh, and numbers, as well as what they're planning next. Um, that's a possibility. So, so keep an eye out for that in the coming days. Um, we're going to go back toward the lakeshore, skipping over, uh, crossing, or <laughs> taking a walk on Lake Avenue to Wilmette, and uh, talk about. Double Clutch Brewing, which is actually we're getting a little further down the lakefront in Evanston, but it has plenty of Wilmet ties. So Double Clutch Brewing is a um is the newest um is the newest uh, uh, restaurant from CCH management, which owns Napolita yeah. here in downtown Wilmette, as well as Pescadero in downtown Wilmet and eight other restaurants once Pescadero gets its second location. Um and they're opening double clutch brewing. Um in North Evanston, right at um 2121 Ashland Avenue. So this has been in the works for a couple of years, um, ever since um, Mike Chakazian, who's a Walmart resident, um, they have a building down there and they decided uh, once a tenant moved out to turn it into a microbrewery um, and called Double Clutch, which is an homage to classic cars, which will be on display. Um, and we're, we're only about a couple months away from it um, opening and, uh, and uh, the taps being uh, ready to go for you. Um, so they had a uh, – the building looks good. It looks the part. It's got um, – the outside looks like it's ready to go, just some build out still working on the inside, but they have all the expo- exposed brewing equipment. Um, they got the bar areas set up and, and where they're going to be. It's it's also uh, – I shouldn't say also. I mean, it is an event space, too, as it's meant to be. It can hold – the whole restaurant and bar can hold 500 people, um, so they hope to um, to use it for – Things like weddings, corporate events, and and the like. Um, it's a full service restaurant. Um, it's kind of one of, you know, there's not too many here on the North Shore, but they got Sketchbook and Temperance in Evanston. Um, you got the Makushla in Glenview as well as 1090 Brewing. Um, so one pretty close to Wilmette here. Um, pretty cool. It's called Double Clutch Brewing um uh, you guys should check it out um, it'll maybe stop cool.
1: on by o- opening week and you'll see a couple of your favorite local news reporters uh enjoying a beverage so, <laughs> uh, maybe uh maybe come on by and we'll, Just uh, we'll maybe. talk and about some community news and we'll
0: probably give you a, an update once it's closer but um they're thinking um end june maybe july um depending on on some things with with the brewing and um, all the science behind beer so um that's going soon but pretty cool stuff there in north addison And that is Up and Down the Shore, our second segment. So thank you guys for tuning in to all that, all those stories and more on your favorite towns. You can scroll by town on our website as well if you wanna just read Wilmette, just wanna read Kenilworth, just wanna read Northfield, whichever one it is, that's under the town section. You are free to do that. Our final segment is uh, the featured feature of the week. And we have a pretty special story for you and uh, something that is is a bit difficult, sensitive topic to talk about. And that's uh, the topic of, of child loss. And um, we're very grateful that um, Zoe Hoffner and the Hoffner family shared the story with us, as well as uh, North Shore University Health System, shared the story about August Hoffner, who died last um, last May of an accident in the home. And out of his death, you know, when when Zoe was in the hospital, um, she kind of recalls now that, you know, certain things um, weren't available immediately. Um, and she thought, you know, without, um, with all respect, that maybe the response team um, at North Shore University's health ministry, as well as the response resources, could be bolstered for families um, who are dealing with the loss of a child. Because in that moment, as she talks about, it's very difficult to focus on anything. So wouldn't it be important to have all those things that are Necessary and might be nice in the future for them to already be taken care of you by a dedicated hospital staff. And that is August's boxes, which are now available at all, uh, I shouldn't say all, five of the six North Shore University Health System ERs. Um, and when child trauma happens, um, which is actually very rare, um, and it's rare in non-children's hospitals, Chicago is very lucky to have Lurie's and um, advocate pediatric hospitals um, that specialize in child care. Um, so child loss is pretty rare at other hospitals, but when it does happen, um, they're able to call on a deployment of the August boxes, and the specific, which would first deploys a team a specialty team of care providers from a, obviously the ER staff is going to already be there, but um, a hospitalist, um, a, um, a chaplain, a social worker, just a full team um, inter specialties uh, group uh, that will respond to, to the scene. Um, and then the August box has a lot of memento making kits that obviously aren't top of mind for grieving families. Um, things like um, fingerprint making, um, and casts for small body parts, such as hands or feet, um, you know, a bottle where you could put an EKG reading of the child's heartbeat, um, everything like that. There's a lot more, there's resource materials, whether that's for um, support groups or, um, or legal resources because in, a, in the matter of a child death, for instance, uh, DCFS is required to respond. So what are your legal rights? um and yeah there's there's a number of things there's books for siblings how do you speak to your child about the loss of their sibling and there are different age groups different books for different ages so age appropriate things so um it's really um i think a really important program um whether it's rare or not um it's something that uh, the north shore university team is very hot very proud of. And I think Zoe is as well, that her son's legacy, that August legacy will live on in, in the system, um, at North Shore university health systems and with the name August boxes. So they do, they are raising money. They are looking to even bolster it even more. Um, you know, Zoe talks about how she really wishes she would have, um, photos, a certain photos. she talks about it's in the story, um, of August. And uh, that obviously wasn't, um, wasn't an option at the time. So they've trained their staff to take comfort photos and bereavement photos, but they also would like a, a, a full-time photographer on, on staff or on call uh, professional to do something like that. So they're raising money for things like that. And obviously all these molds and all these memento making kits cost money. So they're raising money. We have um, links to the um, the foundation site where you can donate um for you know grieving families and and this august box program which is really cool and um just a warning for for real um it was a difficult story to write i have a I have a child and a second one on the way, and, and I'm sure you know anyway, you don't need to have a child to, to have a heart to be affected by this. So just take care in reading it. And if you don't want to read it, the link to donate is right at the top of the page. Or really, you can search August boxes, North Shore University Health Systems, and it'll come up and you can donate to the program. So take a look at that. Um, that's our featured feature for the week. And that's all she wrote for uh, this edition of North Shore Newsweek. Before we let you go on your way, we're just going to look ahead to a few things that we got
1: coming up. Yeah, two stories that we alluded to on last week's episode, but we had to push a little bit because of uh, a recent flow of some, uh, some news stories coming in that we had to jump right on. But uh, Coming up here in the next week, we'll have the uh, feature story on the second location of Lefty's Pizza, uh, which many of our listeners, I sure, uh, I'm sure, know is the pizza place in. Downtown Wilmette. Oh, and they recently are opening. They recently opened up a second location in nearby Highland Park. So, we've got a story about um, one business that experienced a bit of success during the pandemic. Um, also, another one of those stories we mentioned last week: the um, early planning for Wilmette's 150th anniversary. So, um, we talked to some local officials around Wilmette and some former officials as well as to what the planning for um, the celebration next year of Metz's 150th uh, anniversary is right there. And then also, uh, we've got some uh, a brief updates coming on outdoor dining plans in Glencoe, continuing for uh, some of the restaurants in the downtown area here throughout the summer. So um, some exciting stories coming up. As always, make sure to check out our website every morning, every afternoon, every night, or just one of the three, if you uh, are able to, as we always have new stories and new content coming in there. So uh, make sure to, uh, to stay up to date and we'll keep bringing you the news. Appreciate you guys tuning in for another edition. We'll be back next week and until next time. Thanks for listening.